0: Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. I think when you look at these kinds of things that are going on, um, they serve as warnings, um, The fact of how brutal uh, people are becoming, how violent people are becoming now, um, that you can't even have a discussion with people anymore uh, because of their hostility of opposing them. Like that one guy in New Jersey gets thrown out of office because he refuses to put up a pride flag, uh, and he's thrown out of office because of that. And you understand, this is the new state religion. That's what's being foisted on everyone. And uh, people are getting tired and sick and tired, basically, of this being rammed down our throat. And, and we see what's happening, and you have to then take a step back and understand that God is warning humanity, because this is global. All this stuff is global. And then the fact that, you know, you look at the uh, situation with Iran, you look at the situation with Russia, Ukraine, which is a proxy war, I think they, my best estimation is they actually want a nuclear bomb to go off. I think they want a nuclear exchange or something to that effect so that they can clamp down on more of a need for global government. And so, you know, this whole thing that you see uh, in Russia and and Ukraine and America being involved in this and, you know, uh, us having labs there and us, you know, laundering money through there, um, this is not an accident. This is all planned, and that's what we have to understand. And God's, God's showing the world this is what they're doing, and no one's paying attention. And, and that's where it brings me to what we're going to study today. Um, we're going to look at the preservation of the remnant because we're going to now dig into Sodom and Gomorrah now. And I'm going to take several, several weeks to unpack every section of the whole episode of Sodom and Gomorrah. But this is the Bible, one of the, the high points of God's judgments uh, you for, the first judgment is, is uh, obviously being banned from the Garden of Eden by Adam and you know by God through Adam and Eve, and the next one obviously um, is the flood, and then the next one's the Tower of Babel, and then after the Tower of Babel is Sodom. So when you look at those thing, those markers, those are warning signs to all of humanity that um, judgment is coming. There's a payday someday, and that everyone will have to account for what they did and how they lived. And one of the great truths that you're going to see from this passage is the concept of the remnant. And the concept of the remnant starts early on, even in Genesis and continues all through the Bible to this day. The remnant is the believing element that believes in Yahweh, believes in Jesus, that will be spared from judgment. That's why getting saved is so important because you escape God's wrath. But if you're not saved and and, uh, you're doing what our culture does, you can expect wrath will come to you one day. And and the examples that were given in Scripture are meant to be warnings that this can happen to you. This can happen to your individual society. You will be destroyed. You you as a person will be destroyed physically physically. And then destroyed in in the sense of ruination in in an eternal flame called the lake of fire. And that is a ruination state. It doesn't mean the person doesn't exist. It means that they, they, they exist for all eternity in a ruinated state. And that's what it means to be destroyed. And so today, it's going to be pretty heavy because we're talking about judgment. And I can tell you this. This is why the churches avoid this subject. They don't want to scare people. They don't want to make them uncomfortable. But I look at it differently from another standpoint, and so do you. This is God saying, you need to escape this through me and my son in belief. And, and the fact that this is real. This can happen to you if you don't get yourself right with me. Because if you do, I will preserve you through the judgment. I will will remove you from the judgment. And that's the, the promise God makes to anyone who believes in him. So the thing about this, before we get into it, is that the world rejects the notion of God's judgment. Most of Christendom rejects the notion of God's judgment. It's never talked about. Heaven and hell, all that stuff is never talked about. Jesus is portrayed as a life enhancer, that he's just an addendum to put onto your life, and he'll kind of make your life better, and and you have this spiritual buddy. Instead of a savior, he's a spiritual buddy that actually enhances your life or makes it better. And, And that's how really a lot of Laodicea sees Jesus. He's just a life enhancer. But they don't see him as a rescuer from judgment. A rescuer from God's wrath a rescuer from hell or the lake of fire they don't see him that way because he's not portrayed that way because they don't talk about judgment and why do they not talk about judgment because they don't want to convict the person of sin that's the problem because the reason people get judgment is because of sin that cannot be forgiven because they have not come to faith in the Messiah and therefore they are left in their sin to be condemned in it. That's how serious Christianity or the Bible portrays this situation. And yet, the churches don't talk about it. We're not going to talk about this. We're definitely not going to definitely not talk about judgment. We're not going to talk about hell. We're not going to talk about, talk about sin. We're going to talk about having your best life now and give you a few pointers and tips to make your life better. That's all it is. But when you see a passage like this, it should wake everyone up. I know you're awake, and I know that you, know, you, know, uh, you get it, but the rest of the Christendom doesn't get it. The rest of the world doesn't get it. They don't like this. They don't want to account. So basically the idea is Sodom and Gomorrah serves as a, ju- a warning, a warning to all nations, a warning to all cultures, a warning to anyone that doesn't believe in God and doesn't practice his ways, and even goes to a society That if a society like the United States, which is based on Judeo-Christian ethics, if they don't continue to practice righteousness, do the right thing, you're heading for doom. Okay, And that's what we see in our culture. They have jettisoned the Judeo-Christian ethics. They've jettisoned God. And what we have is a Babylonian religion all through our society. Well, guess what? Temporal wrath is coming to America if this doesn't change. God has no choice because this is an example of what God does to every nation that doesn't practice righteousness. So anyway, understand though, God doesn't want to judge, but His holiness forces Him to judge. Okay, So God gives grace and He gives mercy and He wants to bless all the nations And offer the way of salvation, offer the way of righteousness, of how to be saved. But many will choose to reject it. And they leave him with no choice. And I like what C.S. Lewis said about, about hell. He said, the gates of hell are locked from the inside. People put themselves there. God offers it, but they don't want it. You know why? They want to live the way they want to live. They want to do anything they want to do. That's why. They want to become a God unto themselves. And so, they reject it. And therefore, because of that rejection, they are condemned. And that's the way the Bible portrays it. Anyway, PJ Media had a good article, Our Titanic. And I think that sums up everything. Uh, The world gets more complicated and we get more stupid. Have you noticed that? We have buffoons running our country. We have children running our country, like Isaiah's mentioned, right? And his article says, the core issue is that changing political mores have established a systematic promotion of the unqualified and sidelining of the competent. We don't require competence anymore. Near zombies are wheeled in and out of Washington and nobody's worried. It should worry you that we have zombies running our country. It should worry you that we have zombies running the educational system. It it should worry all of us that zombies are running the media and Hollywood and, and, and music industry. It should worry us that we have zombies running our churches. Zombie pastors, checked out, clueless, out to lunch. It should worry all of us. This is not good. It is a sign of judgment that you have been given over. When you have bad leadership, God gives you actually what you deserve. So we're under judgment. If people say, is America under judgment? Absolutely it's under judgment. Look around you. God gives a nation over. You want want transgenderism? Here you go. You want pedophilia? Here you go. But I'll judge you for it. I'll give you what you want. We are on the Titanic. It has been struck. We have to stop shining the brass on the Titanic. You have to stop rearranging chairs on the Titanic. It's down. It's going. So we have to rescue as many as we can possibly rescue. Get them in the lifeboats. Speak righteousness. Speak the truth. Because the Titanic's going down in terms of the world. We're heading for the tribulation. So let's go to the text as it starts out. And what you're going to see then is in the midst of judgment... God preserves a remnant. And this is where we get the remnant theme from. So the setting is, this is the Lord and two angels have come to visit Abraham, talk to him about Sarah, and that Sarah's going to have a, a miraculous child by, by his name of Yitzhak or Isaac. And that was the whole purpose of the uh, of visiting with Abraham. But now there's a second purpose. So once they're done with Abraham and Sarah... The Lord and these two angels then uh, are ready now to, to do another move. And the move is to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? So, so they, they, they get up from dinner or lunch, and then they, they're moving that way. So that's where we pick up in the story. Then the men arose, obviously the Lord and two angels, from there and looked towards Sodom. The idea of he, in the Hebraic understanding of looking towards something means I'm heading to this to do something about it. And Abraham went with them to send them on their way. So it would be typical that when you're, you had travelers and you were hosting them, that you would kind of go and escort them a little ways to their destination. So that's what he's doing. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? So the Lord is speaking within himself. Moses is, is writing this down, obviously, later on, years later. But the Lord is asking himself a question. Shall I, I, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? And, and he's not. And the reason he's not going to hide it from Abraham is because it involves Abraham. It involves Abraham's family. Because guess who's in Sodom? Lot. And his family. So Abraham is thinking about this, obviously, because he knows the Lord's going there for judgment. He knows how bad Sodom and Gomorrah are. So what he is doing is God's saying, I'm going to share this with Abraham because it involves him. Now, the reason the Lord shares this with him not only involves him, but Abraham has this intimate relationship. And eventually, when he When he sacrifices, uh, he's willing to sacrifice Isaac later on in his life, he will get the term friend of God. Friend of God is not given to every believer. A friend of God means that you faithfully follow his commandments all his life and then you pass the ultimate test in your life. And showing that your commitment to God, that you're willing to sacrifice for what is necessary. And then you're given the term friend of God. You won't know when you're given that term. Only God knows when you're given that. But he gives it to Abraham, as we know from scripture, after the, the attempted sacrifice of Isaac. And he stopped at that point in time. He, again, to prove it, uh, Abraham's faithfulness to the Lord. And willingness to obey anything the Lord tells him to do. Okay. The same is true with the disciples. After three 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 and a half years of ministry, Jesus says this to them. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Now, what is the idea about becoming a friend of God? Now, once you pass the ultimate test in your life, That you're willing to do whatever it takes to follow him. The big test. At that point, you move into a different type of relationship with the Lord. You move into a relationship to where he actually shows you things. Before, as a servant, you don't know your master's will. When you move over into this category of friendship with the Lord, you start seeing things. You start seeing the bigger picture. You start seeing the plan of God. You start seeing the will of God, which other believers can't see. And when you have that ability to see that, that means you're a friend of God. That means he's sharing with you. He basically, what he does is he opens your eyes to see the big picture. He opens your eyes to connect dots, if that makes sense. Most Christians can't connect dots. They see what's going on in the world, but they can only go so far. They can only go maybe to a political level. But they can't go any further than that And understanding what does this mean spiritually. As all of you can probably understand, as you see the world in which it's going, that is a message from God. And what is God saying through that message? If you're saying, I don't know, that indicates your spirituality. If you say, yes, I see what's happening in our culture, and I see where it's going, I get the message. I understand. Then... Maybe you are a friend of God, but f- people that are not friends of God can't understand the plan. They're blinded to it. They might be saved, but they, they can't see how all these things add up. What does it mean that they want to put us under the dictatorship of the World Health Organization? What does it mean when they want to put us into a digital currency? What does it mean that they're destroying our economy through, by destroying fossil fuels? What does that mean? spiritually all right what does it mean when this whole month has been a circus of lgbt agendas all over the place what does that mean if you can't answer those questions you're on the level of a servant but if you can you're on the level of a friend because you're now being revealed flesh and blood did not reveal that to you it's god the father revealing that to you so you can understand what's happening And that's what he's doing with Abraham. So first of all, he's going to include Abraham in this information because it it involves him. And it's going to involve not only him, but the rest of his family and then the Jews and then eventually the church needs to know this. So Abraham has to get this down and understand why. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, referring to Israel, and to all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him. Now, that means the goyim, the Gentiles, will be blessed. So it's Jew and Gentile will be blessed by him. The the blessing aspect is salvation, okay? The blessing aspect is once someone is saved, then they live a life of obedience and they live in a blessed state. And then they can become a friend of God and understand what's God, what God's up to. So the reason is not just simply God is a friend with, uh, uh, with Abraham. It's the fact that what Abraham's going to see and learn needs to be passed on to all of Israel and all of the uh, saved Gentiles. Okay? This is inside information that everyone needs to know this. And what is, it, what is the basis of this? It's the Abrahamic covenant. It's the blessing aspect of the Abrahamic covenant. And what it's really saying is this. Those who include themselves in the Abrahamic covenant, the blessing aspect, which is the new covenant, comes to faith in the long-awaited Messiah, or they looked forward to the Messiah that one day he would make the sacrifice for all so that everyone could be with God. That's the the seed aspect and the blessing aspect of the Abrahamic covenant. When you're excluded from the Abrahamic covenant, it means you haven't come to faith in the the one true God. And you're excluded from the blessings, which primarily mean the new covenant, but all the blessings that God wants to give a believer. And therefore, the person is under a curse. He is under the curse of the Abrahamic covenant. So it all ties to Jesus, no doubt about that. He's the seed aspect. But once you believe in Jesus, you're included into the Abrahamic covenant as a goyim, you become a partaker of the new covenant, spiritually, and you're included. And inclusion means you're in covenant with God. You are in a a relationship with him that can never be broken, okay? And that's through faith in the Messiah. Obviously, exclusion refers to ultimately being cast into the lake of fire, but also temporarily judged as well. Now he's going to go into the purpose. So basically, Abraham, this is what I need you to do for Israel and the Goyim that are going to come to faith and come into the Abrahamic covenant, and I'm going to use this situation in Sodom for you to teach others and the rest of all the believers. For I have known him in order... And the idea of known is, is the word yada. It's actually, it's a very intimate term in Hebrew. It's sometimes, it, it's actually used in a sexual connotation like uh, Adam, yada, Eve. That she knew, he knew Eve, which was a sexual connotation. In this sense, it means it's just a close, intimate relation with Abraham. He is a friend of God. So, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. What is that idea there? It means to pass on the faith and teach the, that, uh, the righteousness of God. Because Sodom is an illustration of God's righteousness and holiness. And so Abraham, the scene I want you to see is I want you to pass this on to your children and your family. That I am righteous. And that they keep the way of Yahweh. It's derech, and derech, derech means the course of life lived in conformity to the covenant's obligation. That we're going to live according to the way. We call this in the New Testament, walking in the light. That we walk with God. And that's, that's in relationship to him. So Abraham, what I want you to teach from this situation is, I want you to teach my righteousness and the fact that all who follow me must be teachers of Righteousness to this world so we all have a duty to be a teacher of righteousness a teacher of justice okay and that includes the grace that God gives but it also includes the judgment of God gives because to have a righteous God you have to have both elements otherwise if he's all love and no justice what kind of God is that If he's all justice and no love, that's not the biblical Bible. You have to balance the two. So he's telling Abraham, I need you to communicate this for your progenitors and for the nation of Israel and the Goyim. You are then now a product of Abraham passing this on. You understand God is holy in righteousness, but your job then is to promote that. So anyway... The purpose continued, to do righteousness. What does it mean? That you internally obey the standards of God, not just externally. The new movement in the church now is all you have to do is uh, obey the externals, but you can still have uh, 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 illicit desires in you. This is what they're telling people in the church now, that you can still have a homosexual, lesbian desire as long as you don't practice it. No, it's not. Early on, Genesis is telling you, no, no, righteousness is not only external, it's internal. It's your desires need to be curbed. And Jesus will reiterate this in the Gospels, saying the law is not simply external, but it's internal. So I want you to teach your kids and teach Israel and teach the Goyim that obedience to God is internal And then he says, and justice, which is the outward administration of obedience to God's standards, establishing a social order to punish the wicked and deliver the righteous. So I I not only want you to practice this internally, I want you to practice this externally. And notice what it is. It's the outward administration of righteousness in your life. What does that mean? That there should be a social structure in your family, in, your, in, in everything you do that communicates God's righteousness, that he will punish the wicked and deliver the righteous. And your social order of Israel and the Goyim nations must be in this order. If you do not have this order, Abraham, chaos will ensue like it's ensuing in Sodom and Gomorrah. There is no standard of righteousness. There's no authority there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Abraham, I need you to communicate this. Well, that's exactly what's happening right now. There's, there, there is no outward administration of justice. There just isn't. People are just doing anything they want to do. Shoplift all they want. The stores don't stop them. That's why you go into these Walmarts and these Targets and these, don't go to Target, by the way. Um, You go go to CVS or Rite Aid or whatever, and now everything's locked up. Every time I go into Walgreens, there's some homeless guy ripping them off, and the workers just ignore it. And it's like, look, man, the social contract has been broken. We have unrighteousness, and you won't do anything about it. That means the social order is not functioning. And your society will deteriorate. San Francisco just got voted the worst city in America. It's turned into a dystopia. Because there's no social order. There's no righteousness and there's no justice happening. So, And then he continues on that Yahweh may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Basically the Abrahamic covenant. But the inclusion of blessing. So once you are a part of this Abrahamic covenant... You receive blessing when you practice righteousness in your life. Now, that seems simple. That seems obvious. But unfortunately, many believers don't practice righteousness. They act just like the world. And so, yes, they're saved and they got their fire insurance. But because they don't live as they're supposed to and practice righteousness in their life, They miss out on the blessings of being in covenant with God. And I can guarantee you this. They don't know God's plan. They just don't know it. Because he's not going to reveal his plan to people who are disobedient to him. They don't become his friend. Anyway. The application before I move on. We who enjoy God's covenant. The new covenant. Which is part of the Abrahamic covenant. And its blessings must promote his righteousness publicly. We must become a teacher of righteousness. That's what we're called to do. Now, that's part of the Great Commission. But people don't associate that with this. Well, think about it. What does the Great Commission say? Go into all the world, right? So go out publicly. Don't just stay in your closet. And what? Baptize them in the name of the Father. Identify them with me through salvation. And then it says, teach them my ways. Teach them my ways. Teach them my ways. Teacher of righteousness. Teach them my ways of righteousness. You see the connection? So the Great Commission is building already off of what has already been told in the Old Testament. It's already there. You are to be a teacher of righteousness in the Great Commission. That means all of us are obligated to publicly be a teacher of righteousness to people. And the Lord said, because the outcry, za'ach, which means clamor in the city, against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because of their sin. Now, the sin can be singular or plural, but we know from other passages what the sins are. Genesis 19, Ezekiel 16, and Jude 1-7, I'll comment on the sins. Sodomy was the number one sin that got them in trouble. That's not my opinion. That's Jude's opinion. So Jude says that homosexuality and lesbianism, is the, that's the term sodomy, okay? Sodomy is the number one reason they got destroyed, now they were doing other things like raping and pride and fullness of food, abundance of idleness. Neither did they she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Uh, they were haughty and committed uh, committed the abomination before the Lord. The abomination before the Lord, according to Ezekiel, is sodomy. That was that required the death penalty, okay, in Mosaic law. That's the issue. Okay, there are the other issues that Ezekiel mentions. But Jude then says that's the main one. They went after strange flesh. And that's the main killer. Okay? So, that being as stated, do not let anyone tell you that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was a lock, lack of hospitality. <laughs> I mean, can you believe anyone makes that argument? But guess who makes that argument? the LGBT. Oh, you, got, you Christians got it all wrong. Yeah, you're right. After 3,500 years, Moses, all of us, Jude, we all got it wrong. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah according to them because of a lack of hospitality. Are you out of your mind? I want to say. Are you out of your mind? But here's the thing. That Argument actually works with Christians because that's why so many Christians are accepting homosexual marriage and accepting transgenders. That's because they don't know. So don't let anyone fool you. The sin of sodomy will destroy your culture. That's where everything starts. That's where the perversion starts. And now I can tell you where does the sodomy movement go to? It goes to children. That's the end game. That's the end game for the LGBT agenda uh, eventually just to move to pedophilia. That's where it ends up. That has always been the agenda in America. That is always the target. These, these people that brought the transgender movement from Germany into America, that all of them are pedophilers, okay? All of them. And they got this group of together in America and started the transgender movement to end up in pedophilia. That's where it all ends. So that's why it is a judgment to even see it in your country. When a country embraces it, And and celebrates it like our country is celebrating it now you are doomed that's a sign of judgment that, that God's getting ready to judge a culture for that it is the most unnatural thing and that's why a death penalty was given to it under the Mosaic law in the theocracy of Israel we're no longer in a theocracy And we're no longer under that that structure. But that's how God viewed it in the nation of Israel. Because the reason there was a death penalty is that when your culture starts doing it, it will deteriorate the society. That's why God forbid forbid it and said there's a death penalty attached to it. That's why he gave a death penalty attached to adultery. Because if adultery keeps happening, it will deteriorate your society. Look at all the single moms raising people. And where are all the, the, the mama daddies or the daddy, baby daddies or whatever? Where are they? <laughs> whatever they're called, right? Where are they? They're in jail, right? They're in jail. All these baby daddies or whatever, um, they're gone. And no one wants to talk about it because that's racist. I can't believe you would say it's the lack of father in a family that's causing uh, the community's problems. That's racist, Brandon. No, it's not. It's a fact. You have adultery, you have fornication, you have sexual sin of sodomy, it will deteriorate your society. It will destroy you. That's why God put such a high penalty on that to forbid it, because it will destroy everybody. So it comes before him and is very grave. And the idea is, I have to do something about it now. It's reached a point that now I must act. I cannot continue on and letting them do this. So something has, has become so dysfunctional, the only way to stop it is to destroy it. I'm being honest with you guys. Some of these institutions, some of these things that you see in our country, they're not redeemable. The educational departments in our countries are not, are not redeemable. They're not coming back. Ask any teacher in here, they'll tell you. They work in the environment, it's not coming back. Hollywood's not coming back, the music industry's not coming back, our politics are not coming back. And that that doesn't mean you have to despair, you just have to accept reality. They have went so far, you just don't come back. You've crossed lines. You think the school's ever gonna put the Ten Commandments back in the schools? You're gonna say, oh shucks, man, we made a huge mistake. We gotta get rid of the LGBT agenda. And critical race theory, we gotta get rid of that. Gosh, we were so stupid. Man, please forgive us. And and yeah, we're getting rid of that tomorrow. No, no. Even the Christians that work in the administration are cowards and won't stand up to it. And they go along because they want their paycheck. So you have no pushback whatsoever in the administrations, in the districts. There's there's Christians on the board. Did you know that? I don't see them doing anything. They're useless. They got their fire insurance. But as far as righteousness is concerned... They're nowhere to be found. They are not a friend of God. If you don't promote righteousness publicly, you're not a friend of God. You're a believer, and you're saved, but that's it. You will become useless to the Lord in that regard. So what's the point of putting a Christian on a board if they don't do anything? If they're not going to stop the, 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 the bathroom issue of guys going into little girls' bathrooms? What good are they? Oh, we got a Christian on there. So what? He's doing the same decisions as at that the secular guy. What's the point? It's gone. It's a signal. It's over. That's what it means from God. It's gone past the point of no return. Almost a third of America's homeless population lives in California. This is a sign of a lack of righteousness here in, in California. You already know that. But then when you don't practice righteousness, what righteousness does is put proper authority and it punishes the wicked and rewards the righteous. We now reward the unrighteous. And we let them destroy our cities. Oh, Brandon, you just don't have compassion. I have compassion. They don't belong on the streets. Put them in mental institutions and get them off the drugs. Because that's what... It's all about. I saw uh, uh, my mayor uh, and when I was in New York, Giuliani, clean up the whole, the whole homeless population. And he made one edict. And that was it. It's illegal to be homeless. If We catch you on the street, we're arresting you. Guess what happened in New York City overnight? They're gone. And in one year's time, Giuliani, I was there, I saw it, cleaned up the homeless population. And he said, there's no reason that anyone should be popu- homeless because there's shelters that they go to. Oh, that's right. But there's rules in the shelters. Oh, uh, yeah. So when I asked the homeless, why come you don't go to the shelter? They got too many rules. Oh, so, yeah, right. They don't let you do drugs. They don't let you do alcohol. And they don't let, bring, bring that stinking dog in there with you either. Why do they always have a dog? They can't take care of themselves, but they want to take care of a dog? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just... This is an example of unrighteousness and a lack of order. San Francisco ranked worst city in America. Of course, humans defecate all over the ground. And think about this. With Fed Chair Jerome Powell's recent uh, congressional uh, appearance is is a regulatory signaling with large implications for stablecoins, the dollar, CBDCs, and Bitcoin. Less than a month away from the announced July launch of FedNow, an interbank communication platform that will be institutionally adopted next month. Or, no, sorry, end of July. Yeah, yeah, next month. This clears the path for the digital dollar. That's what's coming. Now, again, to be a friend of God, you have to read that. What does that mean? As a friend of God, what does that mean? What is God signaling to you as a believer when you see the creation of a digital dollar and them putting the infrastructure in place? What is the signal? Schools are now allowing children to identify as cats and horses and dinosaurs. What does that signal to you? What is that signal? What adult... Let's a child come in and say, I'm a furry or furby or whatever they are, and wear a tail and things, and i got to treat them as if they're a cat, a dinosaur. Are we psycho, or is that a signal? It's a signal that the social barriers and constraints because of righteousness have now broken down. We have the inmates running the asylum. And the adults are letting it happen. Think about this. What is the signal here of, of unrighteousness? Macron suggests international taxation system to subsidize green agenda. You, you understand what he's trying to say. That it's not enough that the country pays its fair share in stopping you know, the global warming hoax. We want individuals to do it. I told you, a carbon tax is coming to every individual in Western society. One day, you will be forced to pay a carbon tax if we're still around. Individually, to the UN. And Macron is already suggesting it. Palestinian youth take part in Islamic Jihad summer camp. Video shows. Leader calls them revenge camps. Yeah, so th- we send our kids to th- uh, camp of uh, whatever... Um, Taekwondo or whatever, uh, whatever Indian name one of these camps are or whatever. Um, they're sending them to their camps to train them to assassinate Jews. And, and, and we give the Palestinians millions and millions of dollars. And, and the, 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 the dumb people in Washington continue to fuel this. And basically it's going into the hands of terrorism. What does that signal to you? Graduate, Russell's mic from a parent school official declares to stun crowd, um, you don't let me get my moment. Today is going to be all about me. So she, they, didn't, they didn't say her name long enough or something like that. So she flipped out at a graduation, grabbed the mic from that lady, and started giving her name and blasting everything. Dude, this, what is this deal now with disorderly conduct among people? Why are they not under control anymore? Because you know what? You see the cop behind her? Because the cop stands back and doesn't do anything. Now, again, I'm pro-law enforcement. Don't, don't get me wrong. But when that woman is not arrested at a graduation for disruption, sometimes we're, we have anarchy. Why, why is that? Why, why are they letting her do that? This is probably a campus police and you know how the campus police typically are at colleges and universities I'm pro law enforcement don't get me wrong but I don't understand this standing by and not arresting her I don't get it you get to disrupt the entire graduation come on man first trans-state lawmaker in US arrested on charge of distributing child sex abuse images I, I never saw that coming I just never saw that coming. Did you? I, I would never think uh, a trans dude, girl, whatever he is, would ever be mixed up in child sex abuse uh, scandal. No, I never ever think that. Are we fooling ourselves? Laughing in our faces, Hunter Biden appears to lavish White House dinner after a sweetheart deal with the government. They're not going to do anything. they slapped slap them on the wrist. And so the DOJ can say, yeah, we did the little thing, so we're done with Hunter We have a two-tiered system of justice in America. You realize that? And it's because righteousness is not a framework in the country. So what I am showing you are symbols of Sodom. This is how Sodom was. If you don't practice righteousness, people like Hunter Biden get off. Why other people get locked up for less things or made up things. When will there be a, be a day of reckoning for those who suppress the COVID origins lab leak theory? Oh, by the way, yeah, the new evidence now that we know is it came from Wuhan, but no one wants to talk about that. It's all out now. It's out. Everyone knows, but they don't want to talk about that because China is buddies with the Biden administration, and they're not going to hang out their buddy. Coors Light hosts Denver Pride Parade after apparently learning nothing from the Bud Light fiasco. Are you crazy? So Coors Light, you're going down with it, huh? I guess Black Rock Rock told you, as they told Bud Light, to do the same. Hmm. No righteousness. World Health Organization, comprehensive sexuality education, teaches younger children masturbation. So next year, the United States will probably hand over sovereignty to the World Health Organization. Okay? This is what they do. This is the things they push. Imagine you, in your own personal health care, being told by Tidros what to do with your health. And America is planning to sign it April of 2024. They almost signed it this last May. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, they punted it for a year. Imagine that. This is what they do. This is, what, this is what you'll have to take your kids or Well, we require you, if you want, you want doctor's attention, you must go through this, your children must go through a course of understanding transgenderism and all this other stuff if you want medical attention. That's where it's going. Too many people in America now seem either possessed of violent antipathy, uh, 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 I'm pronouncing it right, antipathy, towards those who disagree with them and, or are governed by a complete indifference to victimizing of others. We appear already to have reached a crisis level. There's people getting beat. Like I saw these, these, these anti, uh, uh, sorry uh, pro-life demonstrators in front of like a Planned Parenthood and this dude just came up and started beating the thunder out of these elderly people and he just gets away scot-free. And it's just like, when, did that start, when does that allow that you could just start beating people? And and there's onlookers just watching, just looking, not involved, not going to stop it. It's at a a fever pitch. It's at a crisis level. Then you have the churches doing this, right? It's all over. Episcopal Church platforms children to endorse homosexuality and abortion. I don't have time to watch read that. North Point Church baptizes openly transgender man after giving blessing to transition. What? In September t- I don't have time to play that. I'll play next week. The chairman of, of Jen Hatmaker's Child Sex Change Organization are active at North Point's LGBT kids ministry. These are in the churches, okay? Transvestite White House flasher tries to make biblical argument for transgenderism. Now, how does she do this? She takes Galatians and says there's no, neither um, uh, Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. And so, that, so basically she used that passage to say, God doesn't care about your gender. Do you understand how dumb that is? Do you understand that's not even in context? What was, what was uh, Paul talking to the Galatians about? Salvation. That everyone is welcome to salvation. Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female. It was all how, how everyone's welcome to become saved. It had nothing to do that God doesn't care about your gender. Nothing. But yet, people will believe this flasher. They're... I can't even watch her anymore. Transgender baptizes, pap, b- baptizing. So that's a picture of Sodom. And I think, personally, we're past the days of Sodom. We're past what Sodom was doing. Because we're now tinkering with genetics and tinkering with uh, you know pedophilia. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Now, this is the same language that you see. The Lord came down to see the city of Tower, uh, which the men had built. Come, let us go down. And there confused are the language. What does it mean that the Lord leaves heaven and comes down? Because the Lord knows all. He's omniscient. What is he doing? Well, it's an anthropomorphism, but what it's stating is this that before God judges anything, he does a full investigation and he has witnesses. So yes, God knows all, but he always include in his legal system witnesses. So the two angels will serve as witnesses and he himself will serve as a witness that they went down and saw exactly what they're doing. And again, so that there's no mistaking that when he judges, he does it with every detail known, okay? That's the idea here. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now again, he knows God is righteous, but he wants, he's trying to get at something. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this. To slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked? Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of the earth, uh, of all the earth do right? What is Abraham getting at? He knows that God has the right to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But what's the problem for Abraham? Lot's there. And Lot is a believer. Even Peter mentions that he's a believer. He calls him righteous Lot. So in the back of Abraham's mind, he's thinking, I get it. They deserve to be destroyed, but will you destroy them along with the righteous is his question. I want, he wants to know. So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, indeed now, I am but just dust and ashes, very humble, I've taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all of the city for a lack of five? So he said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. Let's continue on. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there be 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Abraham, Abraham, do you get it? Are you getting it now? No, he doesn't get it. Then the Lord said, let not be, uh, Then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. Gosh, come on, dude. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, indeed now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. Really, Abraham, you keep pressing this, don't you? So he said, I will not destroy for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry. Okay, here we go again. And I will speak once, uh, speak, but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went on his way as he finished speaking with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. Now why did he get down to ten? That's the size of Lot's family. Would you destroy it even if Lot's family is there? No. Now... I can whittle this down even further. In Jeremiah 5.1, look at this. When Israel's about to be judged by the Babylonians, look at what Jeremiah says. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know. Seek in her open places. If you can find a man. If there is anyone who executes judgment and who seeks the truth, I will pardon her. The kingdom of Judah. Did you see what Jeremiah said? I will pardon Jerusalem if I find one person. One righteous person. So the rest of the question is, would he spare the city of Jerusalem for one person? Yes. For one righteous person, I will spare the entire city. Wow. That's how important the remnant righteous are to God. This is what is delaying the judgment on America. It's because of you. He doesn't destroy it because of you. They, uh, these people in America deserve judgment, just like we did before we come to faith. And we are holding back the judgment on America because of the salt and light still here. We're still here. So when, may, when will God judge America? And it's built on is anything too hard for the Lord? And here's the thing can the Lord separate in judgment the righteous from the wicked? So that the righteous, the answer is what? Of course, is anything too hard for the Lord? No, he could do it. Let me show you this. This is in Joshua 10. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, the Amorites. For I have delivered them into your hand. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. And it happened as they fled before Israel that the Lord cast down large hailstones from the heaven on them as far as as Zekah, and they died. Now, get the scene. Israel, under Joshua's leadership, is fighting the Amorites. And so you know what God does? Keep fighting, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to nail everyone on my head with a hailstone. So as these two armies are fighting, the hell start coming down and they pinpoint every enemy of Israel and miss every Jew. And so the hell stones, boom, 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 boom. And it's precise. There's no Jew that gets killed by the hell storm. What is God doing? I can separate the righteous and the wicked. Even in a hell storm, I can make the hell hit the right person. Wow. So let's f- finish on this. You will see later on the rest of the story. We will go into Sodom and Gomorrah and see how vile and wicked it is. And it's a picture of Western society, okay? Comes back to this. Can God separate the righteous and the wicked in judgment? Okay. Okay. So as long as Lot and his family are in Sodom, God will not bring judgment to Sodom. That's what he just told Abraham, right? I won't do it if I find ten. Okay, that's his family. But Sodom deserves judgment. So how do you reconcile? Well, you're, you're delaying judgment because the remnant's there, and but they do deserve judgment. It's got to stop. At some point, it's got to stop. But you won't do it because people are there. The the righteous are there. So what does God have to do? He gets Lot and his family and gets them out of Sodom and Gomorrah, pulls them out, and then delivers the judgment and destroys all of the, the five cities. So what did God do? He separated the righteous and the unrighteous by removing them from Sodom. I think that's a typology. (laughs) Do you see the typology? Believe it or not, Sodom and Gomorrah serves as a typology for the rapture. What do you mean? God will not judge America. He will not judge this earth with the tribulation because we're still here. So if the the globe, the whole earth will be destroyed and, 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 and pounded by the 21 judgments of Revelation. You can't be on the earth. If you'll notice in Revelation, it's called, these judgments come to the earth dwellers, the earth dwellers, the earth dwellers. So in order to avoid this judgment that's coming on the earth, guess what? You have to be off the earth. You can't be on the earth. So the solution is, you're right. God does deserve, or, or, or the people of America, Western society, and the whole world deserves judgment. It has reached the fever pitch. There's no doubt. So before He issues the judgment, like He did in Sodom and Gomorrah, I must remove my people off of the planet, a la the rapture, and then I will destroy it. So that's why you're not seeing judgment right now. We're still here, and once we're removed. All Hades will break loose. Isn't it good to be a believer? Amen. You will be spared from God's wrath. That's your promise. Why? Why are you spared God's wrath? Because you're such a nice guy? You're such a nice girl? No, no. Somebody took your wrath. And who was that? Jesus took your wrath, so you wouldn't have to experience it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn through this initial conversation between Abraham and God. Father, thank you so much for sparing us. We understand that Jesus took our wrath on the cross, and therefore, we are not under any condemnation now. We can't wait until you're ready to remove the remnant from this planet we understand it deserves judgment. And we understand the Titanic has been, been, been struck. But we're going to rescue as many as we can, Father, until you take us home. Thank you for sparing us from judgment. Thank you that we have a home with you. And we'll forever be with you, Father. If anyone doesn't know you now, that we come to faith in him today. Understand he died on a cross for their sins. Was buried and rose on the third day to give everlasting life. That he took that punishment on the cross for them. And then in exchange for that, he can forgive them and they can have eternal life. Speak to hearts now during this time of invitation. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.